Okay, well, this is Coffee and Cryptids, and today we're talking about... We're talking about the Popelik monster on Coffee and Cryptids today, and uh, of course, this is My Skeptical Sister, but this is our bonus episode, yes. and we are super excited today to have author and folklorist David Domine, and we were just, before we started, we were Sorry. kind of talking about our... <laughs> um, talking about his work that he has done on this fascinating book, um, and the name of it, which... By the way, I just we can't spend too much time on this because the people really want to get into cryptids, but I could talk to you forever about this because the title of your book, like, okay, let me just tell them. Okay, so you are the author of a true crime book titled A Dark Room in Glitter Ball City. This case is fascinating to me. This is all what I wrote. <laughs> in, like, like I couldn't have just known that it was fascinating to me, but just in case I forgot, I wrote it down. In your bio from the Spielberg Literacy Agency, it quotes, his true, his true crime book, A Dark Room in Glitterball City, deals with the 2009 murder of drag queen Jamie Carroll in a spooky mansion in Old Louisville that once doubled as a sanitarium. Wow. That's Crazy. That's, that's just a fraction of all the strange things associated with that house. Really? I mean, there was the grisly murder that took place, and then as the trials unfolded in 2013, all the past lives of the story, you know, revealed themselves. Mm. The woman who was there for the guys um, moved in. Uh, she was beaten in the house and died. Oh, man. Uh, other people died in the house. There was supposedly, the dark room refers to the wine cellar where the guy was buried under four feet of earth in a rubber-made container. Wow. But uh, mostly that room was used for like a, a strange Catholic cult at one time. What? There's always, there's rumors of a satanic cult. Anytime I hear anything satanic, I'm always a little skeptical, you know, because of the whole satanic panic thing. Right, right. But there's some good uh, second-hand sources that told me that strange things went on in that room. And uh, at one time there was a little kind of rogue S&M club down there. I don't know if you know about the Louisville's. <laughs> thriving underground S&M scene. I just uh, recently started learning about it. It's I'm totally a part of it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> she's letting us know now. She's she's actually the head of the whole organization. You're here to interview her, actually. <laughs> but yeah, you know, a couple of years ago downtown under Whiskey Row, they found this whole series of sub-basements that back yeah. up through the 90s. Wow. Uh, no. Winger clubs and S&M clubs. And uh, in doing research for the book, I... I found out a lot about the local S&M scene, put it that way. Yeah, I bet you did. That's wild. Uh, huh. Man, what an adventure that book has been. Um, and I cannot, I really, I'm not a big reader, and that's kind of like a consistent joke throughout our podcast, because Aaron's the big the big reader. But this one, I was like, oh my gosh, I have driven by that house, because Chad's taken me by there, and he's he told me all about it, and I'm, I'm just like, oh, I need to, I want to hear all about it. So I cannot wait to read your book. Well, if all goes well, by October, it should be on the shelves. Perfect. Oh, on publishers right now, and they're, they're working on getting it together. So I've got a meeting with them in April, and we'll see what they say about the release date. Wonderful. We'll keep us updated, and we'll definitely um, we'll, we'll let everybody that has listened to this know so that uh, we can uh, help boost it out there because it does sound really yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so... Just tell us a little bit about yourself because in the bio I was reading, you're not really from, you're not from Kentucky, are you? So tell us like how, where you're from and how you got to here because you've gone all over the world. Yeah, I, um, I'm from Wisconsin originally and I ended up here in the 90s. I came here to go to law school. Um, I'd never really been to Louisville. I had no 
uh, desire to come to Louisville, to tell you the truth. <laughs> you know, I had all the stereotypes Northerners have about Kentucky. I didn't think I was going to like it. Right. I moved to Louisville. I loved it right away, and I never left. Those mm. couple years turned into like 25 years. I spent half my life here now. So I consider this my hometown now. Sure. And um, I lived in old Louisville, and you know, I'd moved here from Europe, and I thought I'd seen it all, but... I moved to Old Louisville, and there are these big, beautiful Victorian mansions, this wonderful architecture, and the neighborhood kind of won me over, and I ended up buying mm. a house down there. The house was supposedly haunted. Yeah. Uh, I'm like you. I'm the skeptic. I say when I see a ghost, I'll start believing in them. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by the paranormal, and I love a good ghost story. I always tell people you don't need to believe in ghosts to enjoy a good ghost story. Yes, I and, agree, uh, totally. I didn't, you know, I didn't take this woman's warning seriously, but I moved into the house and all the things she warned me about started happening in the house. Oh, wow. Really? Uh, yeah, that's a whole, come have me on some other time. That's like <laughs> yeah. a two hour. Wow. Two hours. Tell me about what happened in that house. But long story mm. short, I never saw a ghost there, so I still say <laughs> I don't really believe in them, but enough weird things happened that, you know, I had to start facing some realities. And like, I, I believe in the paranormal. There's something that we don't understand, you know. Huh. We haven't explained whether or not it's maybe just coincidence. I think a lot of times it's just strange coincidence, serendipity. But the thing is, I talk to too many people who I really believe mm-hmm. are experiencing something. And right. so that's why I discount it entirely. Just because I haven't seen it and experienced it myself the same way they have doesn't mean I don't believe them. Hmm. Maybe I'm a little envious, you know, because I want to see a ghost, actually. David, um, I feel like I'm talking right now. You and I are so yeah. much alike. That's a, that was a beautiful way to explain what I keep trying to put into words, because you're exactly right. It's not that it's it's not that it does not exist. It has not happened to me. And like you said, a little bit envious. I don't want to summon ghosts, because <laughs> I feel like once they come, how you get rid of them? You know, that's a little scary. So, uh, but, so I'm not trying to summon a ghost, but at the same time, I'm like... I want to see something happen, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. So, long story short, um, people got in touch with me. They heard about what was happening in my house. They started sharing their stories. And not surprising, old Louisville, there's 1,400 old houses down there. Hmm. Lots of stories. So that got me into writing books about the neighborhood. And I started writing, um, like, collections of true ghost stories. But I discovered the ghost stories were a good vehicle to talk about more than just ghosts. And I was listening to one of your podcast where you say uh, anytime you go to a new city you always take a ghost tour because that's yeah. the best way about learning about a city and that's true there's history there's architecture there's real life characters so i started writing these stories down as my way of doing my part to promote the neighborhood and then those stories people wanted to read more so this book that's coming out in the fall it'll be book number 13 they're not all about ghosts you know i was a food writer for a number of years so i've got oh. books restaurant things and stuff like that but people wanted to see the, the places they were reading about and got into giving tours of the neighborhood mm. and um, that just kind of kind of became a cottage industry for me I teach at the university but I love writing it allows me to combine all my interests and um, so I can kind of be a local tour guide and historian I love folklore um, I love language uh, and so writing just a good way for me to kind of combine all my interests and uh, put them down on paper. And one of my interests has always been old houses and the paranormal. So that's kind of how I got into all of this. I just love that you're a skeptic who writes so much about ghosts. <laughs> yeah, people always laugh. The guy who doesn't believe in ghosts <clears throat> writes ghost stories. 
Yeah, but like you said, you don't have to be a believer to enjoy a good ghost story. And I think that yeah. is so true. And, you know, like you said, a lot of people that you admire and respect have told you these stories. And so it's like, there's got to be something to that, you know, I can explain away. And I think for me, it's, it's also, yes, the paranormal part is interesting, but to me, the human brain is really fascinating. And the way that we create these stories and the way that we hear things and uh, and then all of a sudden we jump to this conclusion that it is, you know, like, where does all that come from? That fascinates me, whether it's paranormal yeah. or just the brain, you know? Yeah, now it's like I'm hearing myself talking. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly, that's exactly what I think. It's the psychology behind it, what's yes. going on, you know? Something's going on. Right. Whether or not it's real chain rattling Victorian ghost or something going on up here, psychosis, mass hallucination. Yeah. Could be quantum <laughs> physics. A lot of times they explain it that way. Uh, I really believe there is something. What that is, I don't know. Yeah, but and I and I think a lot of people they get very guarded because it's like, well, I'm not crazy, and I don't mean that by any means. Like, I don't think that because you you believe in something, it makes you crazy at all. But I do think that there are workings of the mind that create certain things and those workings are what really fascinate me more than even the ghost story um, which kind of brings me to folklore because um so so one of my questions for you was you, you know where do you fall on that scale of skepticism to believer and so you've already answered that but it, that's hauntings uh what about cryptids what about this uh poplic monster tell us a little bit background about this Poplick monster because I will tell you David I was like I'm gonna try to do like Erin did in her um episode and research and every article I came about had your name in it so I was like you know what I'm not even gonna read the articles I'm just I already have him booked so I'm just gonna go straight to you and so so yeah well I love Bigfoot I hope he's real me too <laughs> that's my life goal to have someone finally find him and prove that he's real before I die. Yes, not hurt him. Just find him. Don't hurt him. Just yeah, find him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, some cryptids I'm maybe more likely to, to support or believe in than others. The goat man, he's kind of low on my scale for actual... Yeah. <laughs> oh, we are kindred spirits, David. Uh -huh. But, you know, never let story and I think this is a classic example of an urban Definitely. legend. Um, I've talked to people who they say this story goes all the way back to the 20s hmm. um, but all I can really find is any kind of written substantiation going back to the 60s. Okay. But you know he's he's not an uncommon uh, creature you know part man part goat or part sheep. Right, that's in a lot of historical legends. All the way back to mythology. Yeah. Um, so it's not surprising that we have something like that down here. But what I think uh, is fascinating is that he's tied into a specific location, and that's the Pope Lake Trestle. So uh, in the eastern, you know, it's in Louisville, but it's a little place called Fisherville. To the east, they have this uh, old train trestle that spans two hills, and at its highest point, it's, you know, 90 feet up. Wow. And no railings, there's just rooms. Oh, my gosh. One way. And somehow this legend has arisen that this goat man, or they call him the, the monster of Pope Lick or the Pope Lick monster, he's kind of a siren-like creature. 
his job is to lure people to their death. Mm. So he has hypnotic supernatural abilities to lure people up there. And once they are up there in the middle of the trestle, if a train comes, which it does very often, because that's an active trestle, trains are always going right. uh, over there. And there's, there's uh, fences up all over. There's no trespassing signs, but still people yeah. they cut through the wire and they go up there and it happens every couple of years. Just, um, it was May of 2019. Wow. Two teenagers went up there, a local girl, uh, Savannah Bright, she was 15. Mm, dead. So sad. Uh, a couple of years before that, a couple from Ohio came. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were up there. He was a martial arts instructor. He had some physical abilities. So when the train came, he was able to jump to the side and kind of hang by his wow. His girlfriend never had a chance. She was struck and thrown. Oh, oh gosh. Kills. And uh, she was killed. And every every couple of years, it makes the news. You know, the, yeah. the, the Washington Post reports on it. Uh, the New York Times, hmm. Chicago Tribune. Every couple of years, they're writing about, you know, the public monster claiming another victim and so it's just got this allure because of the character you know that is so dastardly and mm-hmm. he's out destroying people and then it's got you know, the facts surrounding it that people are getting killed right right despite all the warnings um they're risking their lives and a lot of them are you know it's a risk that doesn't pay off and then some of them they end up you know which is kind of audacious they go and sue the the train company oh gosh <laughs> You know, the typical liturgious society, you know, we right. have in this country. <clears throat> but, I mean, it's so obvious you go there, don't go up there. You know, right. It's, it's written all over, but there's that there's that draw, there's that allure. Well, and I, I think, debate, but, I'm sorry to interrupt you, I was just going to say, I think some of it is kind of like um, that skeptic in all of us that wants to be proven. Like you said, I'm kind of envious. So it's like, well, if the, it's really up there. <clears throat> and also kind of that question in our mind, like, would I be susceptible? You know, would it, would it, first of all, would it present itself to me? And then second of all, would I really, even if it did present itself, I bet I could outwit it or, because uh, the little um, story, and I'm going to give the name of the podcast that I listened to uh, before this, but um, it was about the public monster. And um, on here, one man gives an account about how he, his girlfriend, they were just kind of sitting there. They were going to go up there, but they were like trying to get up their nerve. And then she just like jumps out of the car. She gets like this mysterious look and then jumps out of the car and goes into the woods. And he follows after her and he loses her. And he's like, oh my gosh. And then the next thing he knows, he gets up to um, the train tracks and he sees her. And he's like calling for her and he's like, what are you doing? You know, and, um, and he's like, come on, we have to get off of here. And then he hears the train coming. So he starts running after her, and she's got her leg pinned at this point. And, oh, my gosh. Right, and so he's freaking out, and he had to make that horrible decision because he could not, it was either stay there and die with her or leave. So he decides to leave, but when he gets back to the car, she's standing by the car. And so the whole, and she's, she had the same account of watching him with a woman. Like, she was watching it from afar. So that was the trickery of the, huh. of the public monster that the public monster made this illusion of this woman stranded on this uh you know railroad track and he thinks it's his girlfriend and tries to go after her. i wonder if she was so pissed that he decided right. to leave her yeah she's that like was an argument I'm on the way sorry home. you thought i was gonna die and you so left you just left me okay yeah they probably i wonder i bet they're not together still <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah 
Yeah, so he's a he's a trickster. Um, he's able to hypnotize people. I think a lot of people, you know, if I went up there, it'd just be like a rite of passage kind of thing. Yeah. What, yeah, I could. That's what dumb people do. You know, you got to try to make it across before the train comes, even if you don't believe in the monster. Yeah. I could see going up there, but I can't. I can't imagine going on the bridge because yeah. that's a very real threat. Yeah. Like I can be like, oh, let's see if anything happens, but then you get up there, there's nothing you could tell me to make me go on that yeah. bridge unless. Out I mean, in the middle of it. I mean, that's yeah. it. On it or hang on the side, and that's usually what happens. A local filmmaker, his name's Ron Shields. I don't know if you've seen it, but he's got a little short movie called The Public Monster. It's like yeah. 16 minutes. Huh. But he has an account of someone uh, uh, describing how they had to hang on oh. from the wrestlers as the train rumbled overhead. And, like, the train is uh, – people who hung there, you know, the train was close enough to, like, scratch them. And, as wow. So there's a scene in that movie I remember where there's a guy hanging, you know, 90 feet up and just hoping his arms don't give out oh when the train um, finishes. And he actually was able to pull himself back up. <laughs> I'd be gone. Happened. Yeah. No luck for me. No upper body strength. <laughs> We'd be gone. Guys can usually do it. Girls not. <laughs> not all girls, but not these girls. <laughs> we definitely couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, let's not account for all women out. <laughs> Usually girls who get killed because yeah. they don't have things to hang on. Wow. And I talked to uh, people who said that's happened to them, and it's hmm. you know, they were hmm. fortunate that they managed to hang on. Wow, that is so interesting. So, um... The whole way that this little segment came about, real quick, I do want to uh, give a shout out to that podcast that I heard that on. Uh, it's Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast, episode 14. They cover the Pope Look Monster, and they do a really good job of it. Um, it's a uh, man and his wife, and they cover, cover it. It's pretty cool. Um, but uh, the whole way that we kind of got here with the cryptids and where these coffee mugs came from and all of that jazz is from um, one of our, look, all of that jazz. I know, that was an old, <laughs> she makes fun of me for saying old things because I'm the older sister, and as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, that's gonna, she's gonna ding me on that one. Humdinger. Humdinger, I know, I say them all. Um, but that's fine. So, anyway, we have a listener named Stephanie, and she was the one that was kind of like, you all should look into cryptids because originally we were just doing hauntings. And um, <clears throat> so we really have her to thank for this, but I, so, and one of, of course, She's really fascinated with the public monster. Um, so I would thought, well, let's. I should ask her, is there anything that she'd like for us to ask you? So I'm just going to read her little um, email real quickly, and maybe you can answer some of her questions, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, so she says, um, okay, let me get to the part where she starts talking about, uh, I'd love to hear his thoughts about the connections between the many goat men cryptids all over North America. I think it's so interesting how similar legends pop up in folklore in different places. Is there a connection between these stories and satyrs, satyrs, am I saying that right? Okay, satyrs, and fawns, Krampus, why are we so obsessed with half-goat people? She puts in all capital <laughs> letters, like, what is this about half-goat people? And then uh, one more thing, did you know, and I, didn't, I was wondering if you knew about this, because uh, it seems right up your alley. Did you know there's a paranormal museum in Somerset? It's closed right now because their boiler died, but it's in the basement of a of a Carnegie building, and I learned about it just before the stupid pandemic. I'm waiting with bated breath so I can finally go, and then she puts a link to this museum, and it is so cool. It's all about paranormal and cryptids. and That's so cool. 
all sorts of cool stuff. So, yeah, what do, what do you think it is about the Goatman? What is it with humans and the Goatman? Well, I hadn't heard about that museum in Somerset, but I want to put it on my list. I will. I'll send you the link to something, it. Something, yeah, something to check out. Um, yeah, I think it does. I think it goes back to mythology, just the half man, half mm-hmm. beast uh, combination has always been around. But I think in recent times, I think why we might have so many hybrids that involve, you know, a half goat kind of creature. I think people think of goat and they often think of Satan. Yes. And I think there's a devil kind of connection. You know, that's like the ultimate evil. Mm-hmm. Well, and that kind of made me think of like the, when we were talking about the psychology behind things. Um, you know, if you have a loved one that goes up to such a dangerous place and you know I think there have been some suicides that have happened there as well um, it's a lot easier to blame Satan than it is to to blame that loved one or to think about what could have been going on in their life for that so that's where I kind of thought I wonder if our minds create this image of like um, they must have been tricked surely they would have never done it on pur- purpose you know uh, it's a almost like a coping mechanism that we have to blame this Satan like being uh, rather than reality, possibly. Yeah, I mean, people are always wanting to blame someone else. Sure. And the the more evil that someone else is, the easier it is, you know, the more logical it is to blame them. So I think that's a really uh, good theory. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't know why it could be goats all the time. Yeah. It seems that satanic, that evil connection, you know, Often in colonial times, goats were considered one of the witches' familiars, you know, the animals that kind of bonded themselves, and I'm sure that was because of the satanic aspect as well. But, um, yeah, other than that, I'm not quite sure, other than the mythological connections going way, way back, what it could be. Well, and I also heard, um, and it was again in that podcast and in an article that I read um, <clears throat> that said, uh, like, um, there was a legend that possibly he could have been, um, like, from a carnival that had fallen off the that, train? Yeah, there's, like, three commonly accepted origin stories, and the, like, deranged carny. Yeah. That's, like, the one a lot of people um, subscribe to. But the other two, those are the ones that go back to, like, the 20s. Okay. That, I've discovered one of them is there was a nearby goat farmer who got a little too friendly with the goats. Yeah, uh, I heard that. <laughs> Yuck. So it was, you know, uh, yeah, those are those are the ones I'm, I'm least likely to believe in, but they're they're more fun. Right. Uh, that's the one, and then the other one is there was a nearby farmer who had a pact with Satan, mm. and he would sacrifice goats huh. uh, to Satan. Uh, in exchange for certain things, and that was his kind of punishment to be reincarnated as a half goat oh. creature. Huh. Uh, yeah, those are the other origin stories I've heard, but I think the, the deranged carny one um, is probably the one that's come. I also heard that in the 20s there was a circus train going over the trestle that derailed. Oh. I think that leads into the carny story eventually. Sure. But, um, um, I forgot what, oh, one of them was that there was like, you know, like the freak train with all, um, you know, the oddballs, and one of them was like a goat-like creature, and he hmm. escaped and home under the trestle as well. 
Well, and that kind of lends itself to, you know, we as, we love stories. I feel like humans love stories with the underdog. And it's almost like, you know, here he was this freak and now he's kind of getting his dues. Like he's getting, he's paid back society that has kind of outcast him. So maybe that, I don't know, that one, that's kind of why I'm drawn to it. Like, I'm like, yeah, you go, go, man. Well, everybody else is being so mean to you. And then they want to come out there and gawk at you. (laughs) I'm kidding. Maybe you shouldn't kill everybody. (laughs) Yeah, that took a a deep (laughs) dark turn. (laughs) Hearing you talk, that makes me think of maybe another thing. You know, goats are, they've always been considered like a sly, stubborn, Mm -hmm. intelligent kind of creature. So that probably ties in. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so weird to me because I know it dates back for forever. I mean, history, but goats are not scary. Like a real goat, I'm like, you're annoying. <laughs> oh, they're so cute. Oh, sometimes they're annoying. My friend Lori's terrified of them. So really? Yeah. <laughs> goats got those little freaky, like, vertical slit eyes. Yeah, yeah that's true. That is true. Yeah, I went to a, a petting horns. zoo. Yeah, they do have horns, horns. Like, yeah, horns and the slitty eyes. I I met a goat at a petting zoo once, and I thought, oh, this goat like knows things. It, it looked, <laughs> it like looked at you. <laughs> I'm gonna try to find that picture. I'll post it. Oh, it was you took the, a picture of it. Yes, it was the weirdest looking goat I've ever seen. <laughs> I love that you said you met a goat. Like it, it's like clearly made an impact on you that you've thought about it all these years. Yeah, I met a goat once. It was in Owensboro. It's been a long time, but I remember that goat. Well, David, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but I cannot leave or let you leave without talking to you because this was not, I'd heard Pope Lick, you know, the Pope Lick monster, you know, I thought, I guess I thought I had a good, um, you know, knowledge base of all of the cryptids here in Kentucky. And then you threw me for a loop with this one in an actual church that Aaron and I grew up going to. And I haven't told you anything about this because I've been so excited to hear your reaction. (laughs) So um, the Walnut Street Baptist Church downtown, the Uh one that we used to go to lock-ins at. Oh, yeah. So this church is amazing, first of all. Oh, it's the coolest church. And inside it has, um, what, a bowling alley. It has a skating skating rink. It has, I mean, it's just like mind-blowing when you're first of all as an adult it's mind-blowing but as a kid how they get you yeah they get you really in with the bowling come on come to our church we'll skate yeah well we and so i'm like we go to such a boring church and then you know like (laughs) when i was little i was like why can't we go to this church but we did rent it out and have lock-ins there i mean yearly we did this i mean i can remember every year that was the big deal And then, imagine me, who's gone there every year as a child, I stumble across this article that you've written about, and and a video. I'm going to put the link and all this stuff up, if if I have your permission, but a video of you standing outside of Walnut Street Baptist Church, that there is a cryptid tale about um, a gargoyle. Okay, you just tell it, because you you know clearly more than I do. Well, this is, you know, this is another one we could do two hours on, because I have tons of Mm-hmm. He was kind of a precursor to Jack the Ripper in London in the 1800s. There was this, they didn't know if it was a man in a mask in a cape or if it was like actually a cryptid, like a bat-like creature, but hmm. he was able to jump over, you know, 20-foot tall hay mounds and buildings, and so they called him Spring-Heeled Jack. 
Yeah. And he was a subject of Penny Dreadfuls, you know, the weekly subscription yeah. uh, magazines and stories that were popular back then. But um, at the same time, they started seeing related things in the United States. And one of them uh, was here in Kentucky, and they called him the Demon Leaper. And he's, uh, there's several variations, but the one I know about is the one that supposedly came about as a curse that was put on the Walnut Street Baptist Church. Oh. So you mentioned it's a beautiful church. You know, it was uh, built in 1902. It's on Third Street. That was the old millionaire's row of the city. Hmm. It's a stone, gothic church. It has these two impressive spires, um, one a little shorter than the other, kind of offset each other. But it's in the spires that they have seen this cryptid-like creature who they call the Demon Leaper. And people who described him say it's like a an actual gargoyle come to life. Oh my God! Isn't that wild? Yeah, you've never heard of this. No. Okay. Bat-like wings, and um, I talked to someone who um, lived in a house that used to be on St. Catherine. You know, they've torn down a lot of the houses in that area, but she said she saw this thing kind of swoop down from the spire of the church, and she had like a small uh, side balcony stone railing and he landed on the balcony and perched and kind of looked at her and then flew off and she heard talons you know, scratch the stone as he leapt up into the air and like she said the scratches were still there you know they oh, um, oh they my gosh you know the stone but the story is um when that church was built you know originally that was established downtown but the congregation grew so quickly at one time the congregation of the Walnut Street Baptist Church was considered the most prestigious mm. uh, congregation and it had been established like 100 years before in 1802 by Squire Boone, Daniel Boone's brother. Wow. And in the early 1900s, they decided they needed to move to a bigger place. And by then, um, what's now old Louisville, you know, back then it was kind of out in the sticks. It was country estates and out towards the university, there wasn't a lot out there. Hmm. And Third Street eventually grew into the Millionaire's Row, and that's where the city's elite began building their mansions, the bourbon barons, the tobacco titans, the racetrack royalty, you know, the drinking, smoking, gambling people. That's what made What a crazy time that would have been. Wow. My kind of people. Yeah. At the corner of Third and St. Catherine, um, they announced that they were going to build the church. But right away, the neighbors, because there were a lot of mansions and people living there by that point, um, they started to get concerned because back then when you built a house on 3rd Street, the old millionaire's row, at one time it was called the promenade because you had these wide sidewalks and people who built their houses, they agreed to build their houses or their structures with the front doors at least 30 feet back from the sidewalk hmm. to kind of have these open yards that would help present this cityscape, this kind of sweeping hmm. vista. Wow. And it's promenade street. And most of the owners, uh, homeowners, uh, adhere to that except the walnut street baptist church released its plans and the plans included front doors that opened right up on the sidewalk oh. it broke sweeping vista that people would get if they looked on third street and neighbors they banded together they tried to persuade the church you know to follow the deed restrictions and move the structure back so there was some green space in front but um the church didn't hmm. Wanted to do that, and they proceeded with their plans. So, and from rude. that point, the scandal had achieved such a level of notoriety that the New 
New York Times found out, they did a story. They sent a reporter to Louisville. <laughs> he spoke with Pastor Eaton, who was the church um, the pastor at the time, the, the leader. And uh, this is kind of murky, but either he didn't care or else he thought he was off the record. But when the reporter said, you know, well, this isn't a very Christian thing that you're doing, you know, mm -hmm. you're making your neighbors upset, you're not following, you know, the deed restrictions, that's going to engender some bad feeling. Aren't you worried about that? It's not a very neighborly thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the pastor said, well, he didn't really care because that was the church's plan all along. They planned on devaluating their neighbor's property so they could buy up those homes cheap and oh. have more property for the church. Now, isn't that just like a church? That, <laughs> that's not legend. That's all documented. Wow, that's crazy. And, well, when the locals found out, they boycotted the church. And that was one of the headlines in the New York Times. Fashionable Third Street mansion owners to boycott Baptist Church. Uh -huh. And even today in the neighborhood, there's a lot of ill will because what happened was did evaluate, evaluate all the property, and the church did buy up <gasps> all the neighboring properties. They tore a lot of it down. Whoa, historic, what a scandal. Historic churches in downtown areas are often the worst custodians of historic architecture. Huh. So place where the bowling alley and stuff that you're talking about, yeah. that's in, in addition they built on someone's house that they tore down. Oh, uh, no, that's oh, so right. bad. <laughs> we had so many fun times there, though. But <laughs> that's... I knew who said she had um, seen the thing on her balcony. Uh-huh house was torn down. <gasps> no, that's awful. And the most ironic thing is the man who led the boycott, his name, um, I forgot his first name, but his last name was Gathright. And he lived on 3rd Street, just uh, the house right next to the church. Well, his house was the very first house to be snatched up by the church. And, <laughs> you know, on the, the south side of the church, they have that kind of community center building. It's got a stone facade. Yeah. Uh -huh. where they have the clothing bank and the soup kitchen. That yes. People. Well, if you study that building, if you step back and kind of go to the side, what you'll see is there's an old house back there and they just built a new facade on the house. <laughs> and that's Mr. Athright's house. They, they commandeered his house and just built a new facade on it and incorporated it into the church. Oh my that goodness. That is wild. <laughs> so sad. Yeah, so this... So this uh, creature, the demon leaper, supposedly was a result of the bad blood. Well, yeah, it's what very sinister, you know, yeah, what they're doing. The anthropomorphization of the, you know, the evil uh, deeds of the church. And he started appearing after that. Kind wow. Of church pictures and misdeeds. But the funny thing is, um, that kind of capped off a lot of strange things happening in Louisville. In the late 1800s, well, at the time they were seeing the Demon Leaper, the New York Times, reporters were writing about this strange, they called it a bat-like creature or a frogman flying in the sky <laughs> over Coney Island. Huh. Uh, and he was then later reported over Kentucky and Missouri. And as the New York Times reporter said, exactly those places where you'd expect vice to produce such a, a creature <laughs> of nature or something. Oh. And, uh, yeah, there were all these weird sightings of this like creature flying in the sky over Midwestern states from New York. And then before that, there's reports in the Louisville Times and the Courier Journal of people down on the river seeing like a man in a mechanical flying machine flying over the river. They said you could see him operating gears. 
Ah. People. Huh. Um, so there's a whole series of these like weird flying machines seen over Louisville in the late 1800s, and then these um, strange flying creatures. There's all kinds of newspaper articles that That's kind wild. of feed into this this legend that they have of the demon leaper in Louisville. Yeah. Hmm. So like maybe he originated at Walnut Street Baptist Church and then kind of got bored. It was like pre bowling alley, so he's like, I'm gonna bounce on over here <laughs> and see what's going on over in this part of the uh, U.S. So it scare everybody over there. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I talked to uh, three people who lived in that area who said they actually saw them. Oh, my gosh. They seem, I, they, did, they seem credible. One of them was a lawyer. One of them was studying at UofL at the time. I forgot what the other one did. But I talked to three people who swear they saw the thing. Oh, um, that's wild. I've, I've talked to people recently who said they've seen it recently, but you know, I didn't have any time, any time to really question them and find out more. Uh-huh. So people say that be the thing in the, the spires of the church. Oh, it makes me want to drive by there, doesn't I it? I know, yeah. at night. <laughs> yeah, at night. And, you know, like on a, on a dark and uh, rainy night or something. Or, you know, if I had known that story back when I was a kid at those lockets, oh, could my you gosh. imagine? That would have been amazing. Yeah, I would have epic. been terrified and loved every second of it. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, David, we're not going to take up any more of your time this morning. Um, but let me tell you, this has been so pleasant because... I really feel like we're kindred spirits. I cannot wait till this world opens back up and I can go to a party with Tim and Chad and see you and meet you in person um, because I feel like we ha- we could probably talk all night long. I'll bring yeah, you two. I want to go too. Okay. I, I do believe in everything. but You guys, you guys need to come on one of the tours. Yes. Seven nights a week from March 15th through November 15th. Do you and really? We started up already and we're outside the whole time. Oh, masks, yeah. That's happening. It's a safe thing to do. 100%. Shoot me a message and I'll tell you what nights I'm, because I've got some guides who help me do the tours, but I'll tell you what night I'm doing the tour in Cologne. Oh, well, great. Dave, let me ask you this. Where, um, and maybe just email us or uh, let me know where where we can um, kind of advertise that because we've had a lot of people saying they would love to take a tour. Um, so we would love to put that information out there for our listeners uh, because. Yeah, I'll send the link, louisvillehistorictours.com. And, you know, uh, one of the nicknames Old Louisville has acquired over the last. 10 years or so is America's most haunted neighborhood. Uh-huh. You can't go more than half a block uh, down there without coming across a haunted house. So the house in Olul where the murder took place that yeah. we were talking about at the beginning of the uh-huh. hour, um, that's one of our stops on the tour. <gasps> so oh, detailed. I'm excited. This is happening. Uh, we don't see the Walnut Street Baptist Church because that's a little further down. But we okay. see the old house where I used to live in where it all started. There's a a uh, ghost of a woman seen on the steps of the First Church of Christ Scientist. We go to the Witch's Church. Uh, Witch's Tree. Tree. Oh, yes. Yay. We just recently learned about that. Uh, Conrad's Castle has a ghost, the famous Pink Palace. So we check out some of the most famous uh, legends and ghosts in the neighborhood. It's a fun time. We get people from all over the world now coming for our tours. Wow, that's, that's awesome. amazing. We will definitely do that. And I think one thing I know I can speak for myself in this doing this podcast is I've learned so much about the place we live, which is uh, really, you know, I think my younger days, I didn't think I cared as much because I was, you know, doing, uh, you know, you you could just kind of get blinders on when you're younger. But now that I'm opening up, I'm like, wow, this is really cool to learn about Louisville, to learn about Kentucky, to learn about, and what a fun, exciting way to do it through cryptids and haunted houses and tours. So we have had so much fun this morning having you on. And yes. 
Um, we look forward to taking that tour with you and getting your name out there. Of course, I think it's already out there. Every time I Google something, <laughs> I was like, there it is. So you don't really need us, but you know, we'll, uh, we'll get, get you out there as much as we can to anybody who doesn't know you already. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, David. Thank you have a you. wonderful day. This was great. You too. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Okay, well, this was a lot of fun. I'm so excited that we got to do another Coffee Encrypted. I know, and we got to meet such a cool guy. Like, I am serious. I want to see him out at a party. Yeah, I'm <laughs> we'll going on that his... tour. Yes, and we need to like, get fans together and all yes. pick a night and go. Won't that be so fun? It would be so much fun. I would love to do that. And like you said, it's outside, so it's like safe to do it yes. soon. Yeah, nice warm day. We can just walk around Louisville and hear about the history and all the haunted houses. And Yeah, I thought that was, he was like a wealth of knowledge. We yeah. could have talked to him way longer than we did. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. So thank you, David, for uh, coming on our podcast and doing that. It was so much fun. And thank you all for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on however you can do that. Mm-hmm. Continue to send us your stories, or if you've got a really good cryptid you want us to look into, then send us that recommendation, because I'm a newbie when it comes to cryptids. cryptids. Oh, I've already got like a list in my mind of ones <laughs> that I want to do, but I'm like, uh, I don't know how many more guests we can get. We'll right. Have to, you know, really we'd... reach out, but... Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Okay, so thanks. Do all the things you need to do to help us grow, and we love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, join us next time for Coffee and Cryptids. Bye. La, 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 la.